Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's episode. This is our 150th episode. So we thought we would do something a little bit different. And this week we have one of our lovely listeners joining us today to ask Tara and I some questions. So Jess is in our community group and answered the call to be a part of this show. And she is going to tell us a little bit about herself and her decluttering journey. And then she has the opportunity to ask us whatever she likes. Hopefully it's not too (laughs) controversial or taxing for us. Hopefully we've got some good answers for her. And you guys can listen along and hopefully it might help you with with some of your questions or queries as well. So Jess, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a bit about you, Jess. What decluttering have you done? What are you doing? Where are you in in your journey? What What's going on? Yeah, so I think probably like a lot of people during the pandemic, I had more time at home than I used to have. And so I last summer I started um, going through, we have a huge book collection and I had been meaning to get around to organizing that for a long time. And so I did a, a pretty good job of that. And after that, I kind of started feeling like, you know, I really need to do what I just did to our books but to everything we own. And this has been a sort of a long-term goal of mine, but I, I never quite get there. I'm Let's see, I'm married. I'm, I'm in a four-bedroom house. It's me, my husband, my brother. We have two big, fairly high-maintenance dogs, a cat. Um, and the house is really full of stuff. And we've lived here for 12 years. So that I think when I was younger in college and whatnot, the way I pared down was having to move and, you know, having the terror of having to fit into the moving truck. So I would always get rid of things then, but we haven't moved in 12 years now. And so, and we're not planning to, we love this house. So the goal is to try to pretend like I'm moving (laughs) and really um, pare down, but I, I haven't managed until now to get myself into that mind frame. So, um, you know, every year for, I'd say about 10 years now, I've had this idea of, okay, my New Year's resolution will be this or that. It was always something around the goal of organizing and paring down things and becoming a more organized person in general. But I would always run out of steam, probably halfway through the year or maybe halfway through January, (laughs) depending on the year. Um, And I thought, okay, you know, it's not working. And I, but I really, you know, was getting more frustrated by this. And so um, this New Year's, I was celebrating with a friend of mine that uh, two friends of ours that we were in a COVID bubble with. And um, this my friend Stephanie, she's a gifted organizer gifted. She's not a professional organizer, but you know, gifted manager, really organized person and, and great with helping other people. So I asked her to be my accountability partner uh, to, as I put it at the time, get rid of all of my positions. <laughs> And she said, oh, yes, that would be wonderful. So she has been wonderful. And she's the reason more than anything that I'm still in it. Here we are in the beginning of August. So I've made a lot of progress. I had a, I made a list. Again, this was all Stephanie's idea. I made a list of projects, areas that I wanted to work on. And we've kind of been working through that week by week. Um, she kind of you know, texts me and gets me to follow up and and let her know, okay, how am I doing on what project am I doing on this week? How am I doing with that project? And, um, and I've made it fairly far down the project list. But um, I I think I'm kind of hitting some doldrums, to be honest. And part of it is just that it's been going Mm -hmm. on for so many months now. Mm -hmm. And part of it is that I really um, I, I'm actually working on classes for a, a second degree, and I know that I'm going to have a harder time when uh, semester when the new semester starts in September to keep going. So I was really hoping I would finish this summer, and now summer's here. I've only got a couple months left, and um, I'm going. Oh gosh, how how am I going to get this done? So um, I think it's just the typical thing of when you start feeling like you have more to do than the time you have allotted, it becomes more overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, and harder to make progress. So 
Um, so I was so excited that you guys were interested in interviewing uh, one of your listeners because I thought, okay, this will be a good opportunity to get kind of juiced up again. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, that, so that's kind of where I am. I, I think also I've saved some of the hardest projects for last. Of course, I was um, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit influenced by the KonMari stuff. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't really, um, I, I didn't think I would be a good fit to follow that method step by step at all because I'm not a very um, methodical person. But um, I was inspired by some of it. And so I, one of the things I tried to do was put the hard sentimental stuff toward the end. But now I'm getting closer to the end. So yeah, that's, I think, in a nutshell where I am. I also wrote down this big, long list of like vision, goals, all of these reasons to try to keep myself motivated. So I'm trying to keep that in mind of sort of the type of life I want to live when I reach a maintenance mode. Can I just ask you, Jess, what is the goal of um, decluttering? Are you aiming to become a minimalist and get down to a certain number of possessions or is it about being able to find things easier when you want them? Is it about being able to be more transient or fit more people in the house? Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's, what's the goal? What made you want to start sorting things out? I have quite a few goals. I, I don't want to become a minimalist for being a minimalist's sake. And I my husband mm-hmm. wouldn't be interested in, in living that kind of lifestyle. I, I definitely want to get closer to that than we've been. But um, I, I do have this, maybe just one thing worth mentioning, I have this bucket list idea that it would be fun to house swap for vacations. You know how some people mm-hmm. do house swapping so that they can go live somewhere cheaply for a couple of weeks. And um, I thought, I, I've always thought that would be really cool to do. But in no way have I ever felt like I had the kind of house that I could actually <laughs> do that. Yeah. I couldn't, it, it's not organized enough. It's not clean enough. It doesn't make sense enough. You know, there would be a long list of ridiculous things like that toilet's working, but don't forget, you know, don't use that shower or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I always thought, w- wouldn't it be fun to do that? Now, my husband's not crazy about the idea and I'm honestly not sure that we ever will, but I've kept that idea in my mind as sort of a, a goal of, what I would like my house to be like. I would like my house to be nice and organized and clean enough that I could do that if I wanted to. Yeah. So that's that's like a short little answer. I, I guess as far as some of the vision goal type ideas that I've had in mind for this particular surge, I guess I would call it, uh, partly has to do with the point I am in my life. I, you know, I'm in my mid forties and I, I want to um, I don't want to be bogged down by possessions as I age. Um, I, I have aging family members. I, I would like to be, I would like to feel that my possessions and house are just kind of simple, serving me, and that if I needed to help somebody else with their home, I would be happy to do it, not feeling like, oh God, I can't help, you know, my, this family member out because I can't even get my own stuff together. Let me think of some of the other big ones. Um, I do want it to be easier to find things. I want it to be easier to dust. I, I have a dust allergy, I think. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, I want it to be easier to clean. I want to have more time to work outside in the garden and not be working in the house. Um, but I really, I think I, I think one of the things I realized when I started going through this process with my friend Stephanie, because she would have me write all these things down and, and figure out exactly what I was trying to accomplish in a month. In a week, rather, I realized that it's not just the stuff. I think the stuff is, I, I kind of was thinking of the stuff as the end goal. Like if I could get my things organized, then I'm done. And what I've realized this year is that the stuff is not the end goal. The stuff is the beginning. I think that if I can mm-hmm. get my things organized, then there are other aspects of, you know, being more intentional, being, uh, feeling more confident about my ability to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish in my life. There are things like that, that I think if I didn't have this feeling of all of this stuff that I have to, you know, worry about at home, that I would be better positioned to work on those parts of my life. Hmm. Wow. That's an awesome answer. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot to ask of getting rid of some old shoes, but (laughs) I'm hoping it'll help. But it, it's good to be able to articulate it because mm. then you 
you can come back and reference that. And when you get to these points of feeling like, ugh, I'm over it, I feel like I've been decluttering for eight months and I can't see the finish line, that knowing what the goal is, like, okay, do I feel unburdened yet? No. Okay, (laughs) so I've got to keep going, you know, because sometimes we forget what the goal is and that's where motivation can really wane so Mm, for sure all right becca you ready should we get into it yep let's go are we ready to answer some questions yep okay jess hit us okay cool so i have i i have two sets of questions and uh one set is kind of the easier practical type questions i you guys are going to breeze through these and then i have the uh slightly more complicated psychological emotional type questions so um, so we'll start with the the more tangible stuff. So this is the biggest one. If you answer nothing but this question, I'm going to feel like I've totally, you know, gotten the benefit of this conversation. No pressure. Where? Yeah, no, <laughs> no pressure. What do you recommend doing with with clothes that have been worn once but are not ready for the laundry. And I don't mean once after you purchase them. I mean, I do my laundry, I hang or put Mm. away my clothes, and then I wear a a blouse. And then at the end of the day, I've worn it once. It's a it's a nice blouse. It's not really dirty, but I don't really want to put it back in the closet because it's not because it's been worn once now. Mm. (laughs) What do you do with that stuff? (laughs) Because I always have this huge pile of it in my bedroom, and I'm not really sure how to keep that organized. Um, I call those clirty clothes because they're half clean, half dirty. <laughs> um, and this is a really, <laughs> really common topic of discussion. And I think Tara and I might have talked about it before in one of our wardrobe episodes maybe. I'm not quite sure. Um, so I'll give my uh, what I do and also some recommendations and then Tara can jump in with anything I've missed. So what I do <laughs> Well, actually, there's there's what I intend to do and then there's what I actually do. And so they're like two different things because I'm not particularly consistent. But my philosophy is that they can just go back in the wardrobe because they're not dirty. And I think that seeing – my opinion is that seeing clothes as either needing to be washed or ready to be worn is better than thinking of them in as in as worn and not worn. So if they're ready to be washed – they're smelly or they've got a mark on them or the knees have gone floppy and they need, you know, clearly need a wash. Um, so that's sort of needing a wash. And then there's not needing a wash, which is wearable stuff. And I, a lot of the time mine end up on the floor at the end of my bed or on my chair or on the end of my bed, um, for a couple of days until I get tired of looking at that. But in theory, and when I, when they do get put away, if they're not worn the next day, then they'll live on the end of the bed for a couple of days and then I'll get tired of looking at them and I'll put them in the wardrobe. So to me, they just go with all of the rest of the clean clothes and I don't have to think about a third storage option. Because I'm a bit lazy, they do end up temporarily on the end of the bed, but that's because they don't make it into the hamper. <laughs> and so it's like, well, they're not, they're not dirty. I know they're not dirty. So they're, they're going to be worn again. It's just that I'm sometimes, yeah, not, not motivated enough to put them away or it's free. At the moment, it's winter. So it's freezing cold. So when I put my pajamas on, I just want to jump straight into bed. I don't want to then stand around putting all my clothes away. So that's a little bit of it as well. Um, so that's what I do, but then there are others that disagree, and I can't remember what Tara's stance is on this, actually. I put them away. So I will take off, if I take off a shirt, and it's the same thing, if it is not ready to be washed, it goes back in my wardrobe. I hang it back up as if I've just ironed it, as if it is clean. The only, okay. The only thing I do differently is if it's... If it's normally a crisp shirt and I've worn it and it looks a bit creased around the elbows and it would totally be fine for another, you know, a half day or a home day or something where I don't need to look crisp and neat and whatever, I might hang it right on the end of the shirts. Like that's kind of my zone is that. Oh, that's what my mother um, does. (laughs) So that I know that. I know that it's it's good for a half day or it's good for a not quite so crisp occasion because okay. you know the elbows are creased or it it's got a mark where it's been tucked in or something like that. So I think oh, I'm not going to iron yeah. it again. I'll just wear it for a half day or a home day or whatever. So I can you can segment it that way and have your crisp clothes and your 
slightly worn clothes but still clean um, and then dirty. The only exception I have is I have an empty basket where I put active wear. (laughs) This happens far more often than I'd like to admit. If I get up in the morning and I put my active wear on and then I don't end up doing anything and like an hour or two later, I'm going to have a shower and get dressed. And I'm like, I haven't actually been active in this, but I've got it out. <laughs> I will put that in its own separate pot and I will put that active wear on again the next day. But it does that doesn't go back in with my clean active wear. But that's just so that I can keep track of what I've already worn and what I will reach right. for first. Hmm. So okay. it's just a separate so it stays in the basket until it. It stays in the basket yeah. until it earns its name where you've actually been active. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. And then it yeah. will be smelly and then I will put it straight in the wash. So, okay. this um, is great. But, yeah, there's no – and I think for me there's no halfway. It's either away or it's in the washing hamper. And so um, I, f- I think it's been easier since we moved to the U.S. because I don't have a chair in the corner of my room here. Where in Australia <laughs> I, I had a chair – which was like that lovely halfway zone. But the problem with that is it's like leftovers in the fridge. It's like, I wore that yesterday. I don't want to do that again. I need a break from that, you know. Good segue because my second question is about leftovers in the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, so yeah, okay, so thank you. Um, Okay, so the second question was, actually it was more specific than that. It's do you recommend... I'm seeing them everywhere now, these little clear plastic or melamine little bins that they sell for you to put in your refrigerator to organize your food in the refrigerator so that you don't lose things. And there's a part of me, I've always had trouble. We've we've always ended up with food that we had to throw away at the end of the month or at the end of the week or whatnot. And, And we tried different strategies of not losing things because... We cook a lot. We have leftovers. I enjoy leftovers, but we have trouble. You know, we don't always find them. And so I saw those bins and I'm like, maybe those bins would like help me keep the little things organized. But I kind of feel like down that path leads madness. <laughs> I, I don't know if having all these bins in the fridge would really help or just make it worse. So I'm curious, what do you think about these bins? I think that they can be very useful, but I think you could also overstuff a space with with them, which then makes your space a little less versatile and flexible. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got um, some plastic wear in my fridge. I've got these sort of long, thin, tall things with a handle on the front that I can pull out. It's kind of like a jug handle and it's just on the front of the basket and I just pull it out. And I put little bits and pieces in those like condiments, like little jar of mustard and a jar of chutney and stuff like that and jam so they go in so that I can kind of slide it out I don't have to reach in to get the small jars from that you know can accumulate at the back of the fridge as far as leftovers go I think that if you have consistent size containers that all would fit into another one of those containers then you could do it Mm -hmm. but I know most households have assorted size Tupperware containers and leftover containers. And so, again, you'd be a bit restricted and some things would still get lost because you'd have like one of your little bins for leftovers and then you'd have something that didn't fit in it and so that that had to go somewhere else and it would still get lost. So I think that, yes, they definitely have their uses and what they're best for is being able to use the whole depth of the fridge for smaller things. Okay. I think that's their best use. So there's definitely a benefit to these tubs but, again, when it comes to using it for your whole fridge, I think you can um, end up getting a little bit restricted and you'll have things that don't fit and, you know, that might could be a bit chaotic. One of the things I found really, really helpful for us with leftovers is two things. One is always have them in clear containers so that you can see what's in them. If you have containers that are not clear, you will not notice them and therefore forget to eat them. Uh, another mm-hmm. thing is to have one zone in your fridge which is just for leftovers. So you always go to the same place every time for leftovers. They're all in one. They don't have mm. to be in a container but they have to be in a zone. So just keep them all in the one zone. Okay. Um, and a third one is to actually have leftovers as a meal option so you get through them a little mm-hmm. bit quicker. So one night a week just say we're just having leftovers and so everyone has to just like 
scavenge around in the leftover section until it's as empty as possible. And that's your meals for we the call night. That so that sort of cleans it out. Yeah, so do we, we call actually. that scrounge night. Yeah. We call it get your yeah. own or scrounge <laughs> night. Yeah. So if you have a scrounge night every now and then, you will clean out that and, and it will, you know, get get emptied um, a little bit sooner as well. Okay. The only other thing I would add to that is if you think you want them for organising um, the fridge, try just labelling the shelves of the fridge first to see if you can stick to that. So if you think it would be great to have one to put all your individual tubs of yogurt in, just try labeling the top left shelf with yogurt and the bottom right shelf with leftovers and whatever it is and see if you guys can actually stick to putting things in the right zone and them staying there and taking things out and putting them back where they go. And if you find that you're good at that, but you think it would be easier to have a clear container holding all those tubs of yogurt, then go for it. But if you are not great at putting things back in the same spot, then I'd say the tubs won't make a difference. All they're going to do is is hide more stuff at the back. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, I I had suggested uh, maybe labeling the fridge and... um, there were members of my household that were very much not in agreement with that idea. <laughs> I think they thought it would be a big pain. Um, but maybe when they hear this podcast, they'll they'll think, oh, no, it's a great idea. It's always a better idea when somebody else says it. <laughs> and right. you know what? Pose it, pose it as an experiment. Yeah. Like two weeks. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to label for two weeks and then we'll have – a house meeting after two weeks and see if it was more of a pain in the bum to live with or whether it might be that they participate in the experiment and if they feel like it's only a week or it's only two weeks, they'll probably be more inclined to try it. Mm -hmm. And then if they are finding things easier and you're all saving money because you're throwing out less, maybe (laughs) they'll be on board, you know? Okay, cool, cool. Okay. (laughs) So my next question is, whether you guys have any thoughts about decluttering the garden. And I don't really mean gardening supplies, but I mean, actually, you know, I'm so I love gardening. I have a a dream of turning my yard into like a native plant, uh, wildlife sanctuary, but um, that can become overwhelming too. And so I'm curious whether you guys have any thoughts about the garden kind of acting as the same kind of sink for, you know, too much, too much complexity that the house can, can become. Speaking personally, I love the idea of decluttering the garden. And for me, that looks like, it's not like our garden is sparse, but there are lots of similar plants. Like the front yard, we have roses and I love roses, but it means that instead of thinking what this plant needs at this time of year and what that plant needs at that time of year, I know that I will give the plant, the roses some um, plant food, some seaweed uh, solution at in spring and fall and that they need a prune twice a year. Like so that's – and because that's my entire front yard pretty much um, – I don't have to think about, and then these trees need to be pruned at this time of year, and then I need to weed this garden bed, and then I need to do this for this plant, and this plant needs more lime, and this one needs a calcium solution at this time. So it's, for (laughs) me, the decluttering is I've got my favourite plants, and it's similar in the backyard with some big hedges and some natives that we try and be consistent and keep similar groups of plants so that when it comes to care and maintenance, I'm doing the one thing in lots of places at the same time of year. And that's just for sanity's sake for me, not having to remember how much, because my veggie patch takes 99% of my garden concentration. So the other stuff has to be easy because I just (laughs) can't keep all the things you need to do in, in my head. I'm thinking about giving up my veggie patch and turning it to flowers because it takes so much work and I'm I'm I think I'm I find the other stuff more rewarding. So that mm-hmm. might be now that you mention it, I could put something there that, you know, is something that I'm already enjoying somewhere else. Mm. How do you feel about it, Beck? Cuz you're a plant lady. <laughs> I was just going to say I'm not a 
I don't call myself a gardener. I'm a the crazy indoor plant person. <laughs> so I've mm. got like indoor plants, but I don't have I'm not I don't garden outside. My husband likes the likes to garden outside and he's in charge of the garden out there and I make suggestions and I've got a little zone, so I've got my succulent zone. But again, like Tara was saying, they're all the same type of thing. And so the maintenance is is really easy. And I mean they're succulents, so I could ignore them for three years and they'd be fine. <laughs> In fact, they'd be happier <laughs> if I left them alone. Um, the only difference is I've got some that are dormant in winter and some that are dormant in summer. That's the only really thing. Other than that, the treatment of them is virtually oh. the same. So I've got my little corners of my succulents, but most of my plants are indoor ones. But I do, when, when Tara was talking about that, that simplification, I think that's the aim of it. It's not about how much of how much garden you have or how many elements to the garden it's how much work it makes for you and how much complexity yeah. it adds to your life so mm-hmm. i think that if you can look at some of the what i would do is probably sit down and say what are the, what are the things in my garden that take up the most time and oh great idea what are the things yeah. that give me the most reward and do a little matrix and you will have things that are low time high reward and you're like let's make the whole garden like that <laughs> and then the things that are <laughs> high time low reward like the veggie garden then you would say like okay, I'm cutting that out and I'm replacing that with something that was was low investment high reward right right okay i like that idea a lot i I, I didn't even have a veggie garden until a few years ago because I, I'm all the time talking about plants and I started feeling embarrassed. I thought, gosh, I'm I'm a gardener, but I've never even grown a tomato. What, <laughs> what are people going to think of me? So I put in a veggie garden, but uh, maybe I can pare it down and not get rid of it altogether. Yeah, put something okay. in there that makes you happy instead. Like just and this is we we talk about this as well. And every year, my husband tries to grow tomatoes and. We do okay, and in fact, we've got a tomato bush. It's the middle of winter. It's literally the middle of winter. It's like the coldest part of it, and we have a tomato bush still producing tomatoes. <laughs> We're oh like, goodness. we don't know why, and that's why we haven't pulled it out. It's half dead, and there are to- <laughs> there are constantly tomatoes on there. It, they don't taste that great, <laughs> but that's amazing. We don't have really cold winters here, so it gets to okay. at the coldest, like three or four degrees. Celsius uh, overnight, okay. so it's it's still oh my goodness, rarely a frost, but yeah, it's like still winter. So, um, but every year he tries with the tomatoes and puts them in, and then we're like, why don't even bother? We get like one punnet for like a, a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just no, right. we're not saving any money or anything like that. Um, but no. it, sometimes it's fun to do, and there are some elements of it, you know, like herb gardens. I find a herb garden far more rewarding than a vegetable garden because I actually use the herbs so that's where you know it, mm-hmm. it might be worth and we've done the same thing we've pulled most of it out we've left the parsley and we've just let it go nuts it's just growing by itself now because i use that all <laughs> the time um and mint you know things that i using a lot uh just you know we just fill it up with that instead and that's low maintenance so it works sort of okay. i think we're going to ditch the tomatoes though at some point mick one day he'll give up <laughs> he keeps trying and i'm like just why are you doing it he goes i don't know i just think this year it might be better <laughs> Right, right. Cherry tomatoes, I think, are better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. We've got ch- mostly cherry tomatoes, but it's the it's the tomatoes. It's the the real the big tomatoes are the ones that have survived. The cherry tomato that died away. Oh, but yeah, it's, unbelievable. It's really weird. So that the last thing I'd say about that is part of the the thing about a vegetable garden is you feel like you're feeding yourself and you're saving money and all of that. But if you put in plants that you love and that you enjoy caring for potentially you're saving money because instead of paying to go to the cinema or to go and be entertained outside you're spending more time at home in your garden so you could be saving money that way Mm -hmm. similarly if you're growing flowers that you love and that you pick and put in vases in your house instead of buying Mm -hmm. bunches of flowers at the florist or at the markets then you are saving money by growing your own bunches of flowers rather than buying them so I think you can look at it in some other ways as well so don't feel like you have to grow a veggie garden to meet the green thumb thing or to right. be, <laughs> be a saver or, or anything like that mm-hmm. I think the way that you you frame it you can totally not have a veggie garden and still be getting value from your garden totally. yeah yeah okay cool thank you guys okay so now, the next few questions are more about the 
kind of the, the process that I'm going through right now, the, the surge that I'm doing this year. And the biggest one that I've been wondering about lately is how do I define success? Like, when do I recognize that I've met my goals and it's time to transition from this surge, you know, hard uh, organizing phase to maintenance mode? Because I think I kind of I am a little bit of a perfectionist. And so um, I have a feeling there's a lot of like, like a lot of the weekly projects that I've worked on. I've finished them, but I've had this thought that, oh, but there's a couple of things that I'm going to come back to. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm finished, but I'm not really finished. So even if I get down to the bottom of my project list, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that are still bugging me and going, well, but you didn't really finish to the point that you thought you were going to. And so, yeah, I'm just curious if you have any advice for how to how to measure that point where you can really take a breath and say, okay, I've decluttered. My house is sort of what I want it to be. I can focus on other things now. Uh, this is quite a tricky one. And I think that the way there's, there's kind of two approaches to this that, that I would generally take you know, with my clients. And one is that you compare where you are with where you were um, and you compare mm-hmm. where you are with your goals. So if you mm-hmm. look at now and you go, okay, um, looking, opening my kitchen cupboards, where was I, you know, a year ago with my kitchen cupboards? How did I feel when I looked in them? How did I, they function? What were they doing? What was I, how was I spending my time, you know, looking for things or whatever? Um, and, and how much anxiety did they give me? What was the, the zero to 10 anxiety level at the start? What is the zero to 10 anxiety level now? And just doing that little assessment, what, what it does is, it helps you understand how far you've come and that could also then help you understand if you need to go any further um, or if if you do need to go any further, how far you need to go before you get to where you go. So I think just um, com- doing a little comparison of where you were and where you are now is one way that you can do it. Another way that I measure success with my clients is based on not necessarily the way something looks or how far finished it is as far as your goals go, but how it how in control you feel about that situation. So I love that. With clients yeah. I say to them, we will know that this room is done when you look at it and go, Oh yeah, I've got this. I know what to do with that. And I've, I can schedule that and it, I'm pretty confident that I'll get that done. Um, and yeah, I've made all of the decisions, like all the coming and going decisions. So everything in this room is now intentionally here in my life. It might not necessarily have the right storage or it might still be visible or it might be, um, you know, maybe still slightly hot, too high of a volume at the moment and they need a review. But I have intentionally assessed every single possession in this room and I've been through that process and I've made all of my decisions. So I regard a room as finished when all the decisions are made. Um, and then that's the, because then after all the decisions are made, you have control because you're like, well, I know that I've decided that that's leaving and that I've got to do this with that and I have to halve the volume of that and I have to get a new tub for that and a basket for that. So I know everything. So you've got a plan and you've got control. So I think how in control you feel about a space is the best measure of um, whether or not you have moved into a maintenance, almost into a maintenance mode or not. Does that make sense? I love that idea of control. That makes a lot of sense and I never thought of it as – uh, an idea of being of feeling in control, but that really speaks to a lot of the goals that I have mm. of trying to live my life the way I want to live it and not have the stuff make me live a different life. So that yeah. that's excellent. Thank you. I like that a lot. The only other point I would add to keep in mind maybe going forward is to give yourself permission to stop the the big projects like the scheduling Saturday afternoon, I'm in this cupboard or I'm doing the garage or whatever it is and move yourself to a kind of a state of thinking about things you touch, that you're going to just make decisions when you touch things. So instead of setting aside time for the whole wardrobe, make a deal with yourself that every time you're washing clothes, folding clothes, or trying to fit things back in the wardrobe, when you're touching things, you look at them and see them and make the decision. So you're not 
spending your afternoon in the wardrobe. But when you are trying to ram another shirt in the rack, the ones that you're touching to push out the way that you think, okay, have I worn that? Do I still love that? Yes, great. Okay, cool. Decision made. Go on with your day. If you have that tiny little filter that goes, touch that, uh, actually, yeah, actually, I can't remember the last time I wore that. Maybe make that one decision then. Mm-hmm put it in the bag to go to the charity shop and then move on with your day. Same if you're constantly moving things out of the way in your kitchen cupboards to get the thing at the back. While you're pushing those things out the way, have that be in that state of I'm moving them out the way. Is that because I never use them and I want the stuff at the back? Or I'm uh-huh. this thing I'm touching, I use that every day. That's fine. Cool. So it's just making micro decisions on a daily basis rather than the big scheduling of a whole room at once so that's the whole point right is because I don't want to have to schedule those Saturday afternoons I want the Saturday afternoons to be free to do other things Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I like that I I, when you first started talking I thought when you said touch things I thought you meant the things that you touch because you want to use them it didn't occur to me that you also meant the things that you have to touch to get (laughs) the other things so yeah that's a way to to measure that hey this is too much if I'm shoveling it out of the way, it's too much. So yeah. that makes a lot if you're, of sense. And like like your, your Christmas decorations, you may you won't reach for till December. But if you give yourself permission that when you're digging them out of the attic, all the stuff that is between you and those Christmas decorations, are they all things you've intentionally decided to keep or are they things you never got to? And so while you're in there touching them anyway to get them out of the way, even if you say, I'm going to make decisions on two of the things I touch between me and the Christmas tree you know just that because it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know what it's the little decisions they don't take that much time um you don't you don't have to schedule in the you know the time for that you can just make them on the fly as you're and you'll be surprised how much you come into that thinking and it that becomes your long-term maintenance mode Mm. is that you just make decisions about stuff as you touch it and sometimes you'll get on a bit of a roll as well and it. you'll end up having like a little mini impromptu decluttering session. So, you know, like like if if I go, like when I got my new photo books recently and I went to put them into the bookcase and they didn't fit <laughs> and I had like I had to squish and I had to put one up on the top, that's the moment where, you know, it's, it's time to go, all right, what book in here can I get rid of to, to make room for that? And sometimes it's just one book, but then other times you might end up going, all right, I'm just going to do the whole shelf. I'm just going to do like a declutter of the whole shelf because I'm in the mood now. And so sometimes the mood will strike you and it will just mm-hmm. be like, you get that prompt, like Tara said, if you've touched something and something's not right, but then you roll with it and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to, you know, have a little declutter session um, for this little moment here. And it's still only like relatively a short time, uh, but it's it becomes something that you don't have to make yourself do because it's like you just want yeah. to do it and to make life easier in that moment. It just flows. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, and if so you, I have if two more questions. I was going to say, oh, if, sorry, you're getting, go ahead, if, if you feel like you're getting bogged down in the big sessions, maybe give yourself a month of – just touch decluttering, you know, no big, no mm-hmm. big areas for a month. Give yourself a break or give yourself a week <laughs> off or, you know, a time that you think is feasible and just declutter the things that get in your way this week when you're going about your normal life and no big projects. Sure. Just to give yourself a break because you do get decision fatigue, especially mm-hmm. when you do it, you know, constantly week after week. Mm-hmm. And to have got this far through the year is incredible to be doing so much. So maybe your your brain Thank needs you. a, a week off of a big declutter um, and then you might be I've sort of taken that into it. with the Olympics being on. I haven't really been <laughs> very productive since they started. So <laughs> but ready to get back into it. <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay, I have two more questions. So one is sort of facetious, but it's kind of like a joking on the square, I guess. Does going through a process like this where you get to a point where you've really decluttered your whole house and you, you've reached a point where you feel that you've kind of finished, does it really change your life? <laughs> should, I, should I look forward to having a, a totally new lease on life? Or do you think that that kind of thing is overstated? 
Because you hear that, right? Yeah. From some yeah, you definitely hear it. Organizing gurus. I actually think it's not overstated. I think the ones where they're where it's all like raved about, you know, like the full on my whole life has changed and everything is better. That's not necessarily going to be completely true. But it it is true that when you have your only what you have intentionally brought into your life in your house that things do flow better because you again it comes back to this feeling of being in control you have complete control and feeling mm-hmm. out of control is one of the it's an underrated form of stress like for sure like people don't really talk about that they sort of say you know clutter is stressful but we you know we talked about clutter core the other week and for some people having lots of stuff around them isn't mm-hmm. stressful but if they felt out of control of that stuff that's when they're stressed and so i think what you get from yeah. decluttering your house is a sense of control of like i i know what i'm doing here and my life is intentional and i have space in it for new things to come in and things to change if i need them to so i rec- i honestly do think right. it does it does have a life-changing element to it in that you become more free, more flexible, and you feel like you're in more control. And that flows on to other areas as well. You know, there's been um, – there's a lot of talk around, you know, the the correlation between having um, an organised – um, an organized approach or organized life around food uh, can help you with weight loss or with um, healthier eating habits and those kinds of things. Because when you are um, uncluttered and when you're organized, there's space for you to add those extra tasks in of meal prep or all those kinds of things. Um, and so all that it sort of has it sort of has a flow on effect into other areas of your life as well. So I would say that my answer is yes, it is. It is life changing and it has a ripple effect. Yeah, but it's not like I think that's really interesting. What you the light kind of not that kind of (laughs) major, right? It's not going to solve all your problems. Interesting though, what you said about anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I really don't mind messy environments, but I, which is part of the reason why I don't know. I've struggled to understand why I feel so strongly that I have to get rid of some of this stuff. Because I've always been messy. I've never really disliked that, but I don't like the way I feel. And I think you've hit it on on the head. I think it, it is this feeling of I've thought about getting rid of those things or organizing those things or finishing those pro- projects. And it's the fact that I haven't been able to to meet those objectives or meet those promises I made to myself that maybe is what's causing the anxiety. It's mm-hmm. not the stuff. It's the stories behind the stuff so that makes a lot of sense and that we have to be careful as well that we don't tell ourselves the stories that other people have told us or that we don't apply Mm -hmm. things to ourselves that apply to other people because all of this should stuff you know i should be i should be uncluttered i should be tidier i shouldn't be messy i should finish my projects those kinds of things can be you know really unhealthy as well and so it's finding a balance there as well of you know being yourself and accepting yourself and 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 not trying to not trying to tell yourself that you need to be different just because other people think you should be or other people are different. Uh, it's it's that as well, that acceptance of, well, you know, this is me. I think well, the thing that I've found, because I'm naturally messy as well and I'm not mm-hmm. – I'm I'm not always comfortable with it, but there are times where I am comfortable with it. And for me, again, it comes all back to the control. So if I look around the living room and I see mess everywhere, which I frequently do because I leave a trail behind me of things I've half done, as do, you know, the rest of my family <laughs> for the most part. And I look around and there's, you know, this kind of stuff. And and there were some house households will look at my stuff and go oh my god that's not much at all and it's true like there are all there are different levels of comfort but when I look at it I know that I can put it away if I want to and so I have this mess but because I feel completely in control of it it all has a home I know where it goes I can also tell everyone else to come in and put their things away if I don't feel like doing it I have this control over the stuff and that's the key so then I can be messy and not feel guilty about being messy, but also have control to have right. it the way I want it when I want it as well. Awesome. I think 
it's important to set your expectations in the right place because I didn't declutter and then the day I was finished be like, oh, yes, I feel amazing. My life is different. (laughs) It did not happen like that. But now looking back with hindsight, I live differently and I feel different, but it wasn't like a light switch moment Mm -hmm. for me. So now I... I yeah. feel really comfortable in my home and I get home from a crazy day or lots on and I have this big, deep exhale when I get in my door. I'm like, oh, I'm home. And <laughs> and probably yeah. there's, a, there's an element of the control stuff there, but it's also just I feel so deeply relaxed being in my home and now looking back I'm much more of a homebody than I ever was and probably a good chunk of that is to do with my age as well (laughs) but also I used to when I had a lot of stuff I used to come home and feel like home was just more work and I was always right I feel like my I've talked before on the show about how when I sit in a room with a lot of stuff I feel like my eyes can't rest. Like I just look at stuff and see it's like my to-do list floating around me of stuff I should do this and I should do that. And I've noticed that I really enjoy my home so much more with less stuff because I feel like it's calm and Mm -hmm. it's welcoming and it doesn't overwhelm me, which I think for years it did. But I I wouldn't have been able to put the words yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. And it's not until a few years down the track that I look back and see how much more I enjoy being home. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I think as well is financially, I I remember for years we would, we we weren't great budgeters, but I think now financially I think it's had an impact as well because beforehand when Mm. I was not intentional with what I was buying um, be it clothes or homewares or anything you could I would never predict how much I would spend in a month because I never thought things through or put them on a list I didn't need anything I would just wanted stuff and I think Mm -hmm. after decluttering and becoming intentional with what I kept that flowed on to being intentional with what I would allow in, which then affected my budget. So now I don't, we still don't have a budget, but I think financially we're probably in a much better position because my wants and my needs aren't confused mm-hmm. and I we, we bring stuff in with intention, which has had a good financial flow on. But again, it cool. wasn't like a last month was bad, I decluttered this month the the budget's great, the finances are great. It's just a, over time you see some of the patterns. So I think it does flow into lots of areas. And mm. for everyone it will probably be different. Um, but, yeah, I think it has been life-changing in in aspects, in ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I agree with the money thing. I forgot about that. I wanted your guys' take on that because I, I expect that there might be a little bit of a letdown after I'm finished just because it's been a focus for so long. And if I get to a point where I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, I can focus on these other things, then there's probably going to be a period where I feel a little bit odd about that. <laughs> so I thought, okay, what should I mm-hmm. kind of be expecting? You may, you may, or you may just slide right into sort of, because the transition between decluttering mode and maintenance mode isn't dramatic. Mm-hmm. There's still always going to be little things that pop up. There's still, right. you know, it's still... It's not, yeah, it's sort of, it, it's not dramatic. It's not a dramatic shift. So my brother's you, I think been teasing that you will transition. He's been, <laughs> I, my brother's been teasing me about it. Yeah, don't, don't be expecting that you're not going to have to do the dishes anymore. You're not going to have to walk the dog anymore. You know, life will yeah. still be what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and that's point. the thing. Mm-hmm. Life, it doesn't change. Like, like Tara was saying, it's not something that you, you know, you wake up one morning and the angels are singing, you know, and... <laughs> You know, it's just uh, some like miracle day. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like that. Um, you will find that it's a long term thing. And a year from now, you'll look back and go, "Huh?" And you might even listen to this year from now and go, "Oh, that's where I was then, and this mm-hmm. is where I am now." And again, it's not something that you notice 
I mean, sometimes you do. Like sometimes just decluttering one space. You know, I have a client that I saw um, last week and I we I'd done her laundry about three or four weeks before that. And she said to me this week, she said, I still kept going into the laundry and just opening the doors so that I can just feel calm, you know, because she got such a dramatic impact from that, you know. She just went, she she said, I love looking at it. And now I'm I'm pretty sure because we did it under her stairs uh, the other day and I'm pretty sure that she's now currently also walking into the stairs and just standing there and going, I'm enjoying this. Oh, I totally do that. Yes. Yeah, there's those moments. (laughs) Where it go, where it's a big change, and you're like, "Oh, I love this. This is so cool." And it, that's the, the kind of thing that gives you the momentum. Uh-huh. But overall, um, it's not. It doesn't have that that same dramatic cool. effect. Um, the overall effect. So it's a bit slower. So yes, manage your expectations. The decluttering is a lifestyle. It's not a short term thing. It's it's not a project. It's a lifestyle. And so yeah. expecting something dramatic at a certain point will probably let you down. So what you need to do is expect that when you review your situation in a couple of years that you will have things to reflect on where you can see a, a difference. So that's probably awesome. the expectation to have. Okay, thank you. Okay, so last question. And this might be the most heavy duty question. <laughs> um, it's about sentimental attachment, right? So I'm, I, this is going to be easy for you guys, because I'm sure you get this all the time. But it's the idea that I have a hard time letting go of things that I, I, I have formed a sentimental attachment to. But uh, the things that I form sentimental attachment to are, are very random things. Like they're not typically the mementos that people get to have that sort of um, remembrance. It's, it's the things like I have this old bathrobe that I used to wear a lot. And it reminds me of the period after I first got married to my husband and bathrobe now is in tatters and I feel like I should get rid of it. But I think that I'm scared that if I get rid of it, then somehow that's me letting go of that period of my life. And it's, I think what it is, is that letting go of things that have those that take me back to those times of my life or bring back memories of experiences or people. I feel like letting go of those things is kind of akin to accepting the passage of time, accepting my own mortality, accepting the mortality of the people I love. And so I'm just curious if you have any advice for dealing with those types of feelings. My advice practically for the bathrobe is (laughs) do do you have a new one I do I have two new ones that have been given to me so I totally don't need it I did think about turning it into rags (laughs) just you know what I would do Uh if I were you I would see if you can salvage like the pocket Uh or a cuff or some bit of the old bathrobe Uh And stitch it onto your new one, oh. or get someone that can <laughs> stitch. Stitch if it's a if it's a red bathrobe, stitch that red pocket onto your new blue bathrobe oh. or something. Like make make it like your your bathrobes can become like a patchwork quilt of <laughs> of time. Uh-huh. Keep a piece of them to reflect the different because I have I have stuff like that that I want to keep the the trigger. And Beck and I talk about that a lot without keeping the bulk. Mm-hmm. And so I will find okay. I, I I loved my mum's wedding dress, but I didn't want to keep the whole thing. Yeah. So I snipped off a piece of lace and I use it as a bookmark in my book at night. Oh, what and I get you? the same I have the same memory from a piece of lace that's two inches long as I do from this huge wedding dress that took up a whole chunk of my wardrobe. Maybe even more so you because you can actually it- use that lace and keep it with you as opposed to the dress that you probably have to lock away somewhere. Yeah. So so maybe in practically dealing with the bathrobe is get a get a section of it and incorporate it into your new bathrobe. Okay. And then and then you will see it and you'll have the trigger and you'll be transported to that time. So you're not letting it all go. Mm-hmm. Um but it just, I think sometimes if you can bring that moment into the present, kind of you can celebrate it as well. Okay. So that's advice on the bathrobe. <laughs> as for sentimentality in, uh, in its entirety. And ephemerality <laughs> and passage of time. <laughs> like I said, this one's heavy duty. <laughs> yeah, it is. Beck, have you got words of wisdom? 
Oh, I was thinking about this and probably what I have to say is tough and I say it to myself as much as I say it to you because we all have this. Why do we need to hang on? Why do we need to deny our morality and why do we need to deny so not morality, why do we need to deny our mortality right. and the mortality of those around us? Uh, what What is it that makes us want to cling to the past when you have your husband right there with you now? Oh, my God, yeah. And the and I, I don't know the answer to this and this is because I'm not a psychologist but, but it, it is a question to ask ourselves when we are thinking about the sentimentality is, why am I, why do I feel the need to, um, measure the passage of time in belongings? Mm-hmm. And why do I need to hang on to uh, the stuff in order to validate my past or whatever experiences I had or whatever? And I don't know the answer to those questions. And I guess they're going to be different for everybody. But, you know, I was just, because we do, because I was thinking we do all have sentimental things and we have, in, uh, emotional needs that that they meet and that's okay mm-hmm. there are people who can live without them but it's okay if you can't that's totally normal and it's okay and and we all have them and I was just I did a a session via zoom with a client last last week where uh, I had to pull down some um things from the top of Zoe's wardrobe because I had a setup that she wanted to see an example of. So I pulled my own down to show her this example. And as I was going through that stuff, I, like I was seeing memories and I, I, Mick and I had a look through them and they were all stuff pre, pre-marriage. There were our, like our wedding cards and there were cards from, that I'd received from people when I'd left my job and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, whoa, look at this and look at this. And we had a, we had a really lovely time. And then I said, like, do we need this? We haven't looked at it in like, since before, since the kids were born, we haven't w- looked in this box apart from me organizing it. That was pretty much it. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, keep it, you know, because we might want to look at it again, you know, in another 20 years' time, which was quite funny. <laughs> but it, I was also then just looking at the up in the top of my wardrobe, and I, there's a box up there, and it just says, um, M and R's childhood teddies. So there's like a little box, it's not a huge one, of, our soft toys from when we were kids. And I, so I've been thinking about this a little bit just recently as well of that. Why, why do we need, you know, and I've actually made myself, I made myself ask myself, could you part with those mm-hmm. and go through that process in my mind? And I'm still processing that the idea of parting with those and what it would mean. But I think it is really worth us analyzing what it is that, that makes us so scared of the past being left behind yeah, where it actually already is um, and why are we so scared of our own mortality? Why? Why is that? Like it's it's not – I don't have an answer to it, but it's worth asking ourselves, what's, what's so scary about getting old? What's so mm-hmm. scary about having another 10 years' worth of things to do when we could be living back here in the past where it's safe and warm and cosy? Um is it is it the unknown and all that kind of stuff? So mm-hmm. it's worth just asking yourself, what am I what am I so scared of that makes me want to hang on so tightly? One of my goals one way you- I, sorry, I was just gonna say one of the goals on my on my little list, my vision list, is to kind of build more strength to more psychological strength to accept this sort of passage, I think. So that's a really good question to a good yeah. way to frame Acceptance it. Acceptance is is incredibly healthy state of being Mm -hmm. and if you look at the buddhists the stoics you know there's the religions and other philosophies that all say peace comes from um accepting what is and not not going against the flow and i have a tattoo on my torso to remind me you know don't don't fight the current, go with the flow and, and happiness comes from where you are now and what you're experiencing now and not from what you did experience and not from what, what could happen. But mm-hmm. peace, like true peace comes from acceptance of the moment. Uh, and so it's, it's something to, you know, maybe you could read up on the, the, the Buddhist philosophy of that or the Stoic philosophy mm-hmm. of that and, and see where that takes you to. Cool. The other way to redirect some of that energy from, 
um, holding on to things from the past and you'll have to come to terms with um, your own boundaries and rules around volumes of possessions Mm -hmm. and things like that. But one of the reasons we hold on to things that trigger past memories is because we want proof that they happened Mm -hmm. and that they existed. And we all have this need that at some point when we're gone, we we want proof that we existed. Mm -hmm. So instead of attaching that to belongings in the past, maybe you could put some of your focus in the future into what you might want your legacy to be. And maybe it's around the kindness you put into the world. Maybe it's something more tangible like you... Um, it's trees. I don't know, fund, fund, yeah, it's you plant trees, trees or you fund a um, disadvantaged student to to go through high school or maybe you make a donation to an animal shelter or something like that and you pop, maybe you put a bench seat up in in the park mm-hmm. with yours and your husband's name on it and it might help you to come to terms with the fact that there will be something here after you mm-hmm. that shows that you existed and maybe it's physical or maybe it's just in the way you made other people feel yeah. or maybe it's in the way you the amount of you know um, trees that were planted in in your local area after you were gone was more than was here when you arrived because you put energy into that. So maybe reframing it and focusing on what you want your legacy to be might help you detach a little bit from the things that you keep in the past that prove that you existed because the person you are now is a product of all those times, the fun times you had with your husband, your upbringing, all of that. So you don't need a bathrobe to prove <laughs> that those fun times happened exactly. because that is part of you that's yeah that's the person you are now and if that leads you to leaving some other kind of legacy that benefits someone else or something uh, else yeah. then that's a really nice way to think when I'm gone I still mattered right and I will I have left something right right um, there's proof that I existed because I did something so maybe you can start thinking ahead to what that might be for you. Thank you for that. I don't know if you um, listened to the episode where we interviewed Brooke McCallery, um, but she one of the things that she did which could help in this instance is she wrote her obituary. Oh, yes, and yes, right. Yeah, and so that could be another exercise. You don't have to necessarily write the f- full thing, but you can write what do I want people to say about me and what, what is it that, that I want people mm-hmm. to be remembering about me and, and that could then form part of your goals as well. Cool. So that's the end of my list and uh, I've been taking a few notes. Thank I didn't you. really think that I was going to need to write anything down, but I was so inspired by a few of the things that you guys said that I have been taking some notes. <laughs> Um, I, I can't thank you enough. That's I mean, good. this was really a, like a wonderful time for me to to have this conversation. It means a lot. Oh, good. Well, they were really good questions because they got us thinking um, but didn't freak us out too much. <laughs> <laughs> a nice balance. <laughs> oh, what could I have asked that could have freaked you out? You guys cover such a broad spectrum of topics. <laughs> like we wouldn't know until right, we hit right, us, fair I think. Enough. Yeah, that's it. So, um, but it's been lovely, and it's um, it's it's great. And I think if people have questions like this and they want input directly from us or other people in the community, that's where our Facebook community group is is great because people will come in there with a really practical question, like I don't know how to organize this shelf or what do other people do in this situation to label their mm-hmm. spice jars, and put a photo in the community group and. People will respond, not just Beck and I, but, you know, hundreds of people that are in there have the potential to help answer your question. Yeah. And it could be small and practical or it could be huge um, and, and life-changing. But I think that's what's great about that group is that you have access to a bunch of people that are on a similar path and yeah. with all sorts of different ideas, which is which is awesome. Cool. And while you, while you were saying that, I was just thinking that, I just wanted to say after 150 episodes, 
we're really happy to still be here. <laughs> we because, are. And we're still here because people listen. I, I think that's why we're still here, because people listen. I think if no one was listening, Tara, we probably would have lost steam by now. But we get such lovely feedback and such lovely reviews and such great engagement in the group and uh, messages and all that kind of stuff all the time. And so it it really does um, help us to to keep on going. So... Yes, thank you, everybody. So Jess and all of the other listeners, thank you for uh, listening to us every week. Absolutely. Yeah. So we would love to know what you thought of this episode. Maybe you've got some questions for Jess or maybe you've got some questions for us. Come and join us in our Facebook community to ask them there and share with all the other people. And we will see you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at rebeccamazino.com.au and basklifecoaching.com. <laughs>